everyone. Welcome to our Warped podcast. Bet you didn't think you'd hear from us so soon, but we decided to add a second episode a month with a slightly different format. Instead of one mandate per episode, we're going to have four mini-mandates where we catch you up on something we think is interesting, but we don't necessarily want to discuss for three hours. So each person has 10 minutes for their show-and-tell segment, and none of us know what each other's segments are beforehand. So we can learn along with the rest of you. We are calling these episodes Edgy Show-and-Tell. Also, we have another host joining us. Our friend Kat will also be doing her show-and-tell. Say hi to the people. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I wouldn't consider myself a host in any form at all, but I, mean, I appreciate like, the I honorary title of... <laughs> I think I we're all know. hosts I don't equally. know what it would be. A Not special host? guest that we assume Yeah, we'll there keep... we go. Right. We, yeah, maybe, yeah. That's, I mean, all of like our the, faces are on the thing. That's true. The perpetual special guest. Yes. Our special permanent guest. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Resident. <laughs> Intern. Intern. <laughs> that just makes me feel like I'm permanently special, but... Well, what's wrong with that? I don't want to be permanently special. I feel like people labeled me that in high school a lot, and it didn't feel great. Oh, so. boy. Well, then, you're going to be a host, and that's <laughs> okay. it. You're going to be, <laughs> gonna be well, whatever. Host. Who am I to fight the man? I've only been doing it my whole life. Let's go. <laughs> Grace is the boss here. Grace says you're a host. You're a host. All right. It is what it is. We're all hosts. We're all equally not special. It's <laughs> what I've always wanted. If only you could hear me roll my eyes. Mm. <laughs> no, that would be uh, something else. I mean, it would just add so much to the, uh, yeah. the overall Insert marble episode, effect. But, right, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, I think I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, Cat. All right. Uh, I guess I'll get the... The ball rolling. So most of this month, I've been listening to uh, a series of books uh, called Nameless by Dean Koontz. They're essentially a bunch of short stories with the same protagonist in somewhat similar scenarios. The main premise is that there's this guy who has some form of amnesia where he can't remember the anything that happened in his life prior to two years in the past, and essentially works for a group who will give him instructions on targets to take out and... Oh, we got a hand raised. Do you have a question? Is this like Dead Like Me? I'm not familiar with that one. So maybe? Oh, like the show? Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe. I, again, okay, I'm continue. not... Yeah, not... We can We can discuss after. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so I think these are Audible exclusive stories. I don't know if they're actually in print, but there's two seasons, and I think... There are either four or five little stories per season, and I finished the first season. I'm about halfway through the second, uh, but at the end of the first, we come to find out that he is having issues where bits of his past, the, his memories are, are kind of spilling into his waking life, so he's seeing people from his past that are just sort of spectrally watching him, and he's not a fan of that. He's aware that there's maybe some kind of grief or trauma that he doesn't want to uh, approach and deal with, so... He tells his team, okay, guys, you have to essentially build the barrier between my past and the life that I know currently twice as thick so that this doesn't happen again. And we come to find out before they run through this procedure uh, to reinforce that barrier that he's actually the one funding all these missions and the main trauma that he doesn't want to deal with, I guess, happened roughly two years ago, like I said. 
His entire family was killed during a terrorist attack, and he was in a separate vehicle from his wife and daughter, and essentially can't process that whole situation, so he set up this organization to track down people that were essentially doing the same sort of, not not always terrorist activity, but either serial killers or predators of a certain type. And these are people that the law has pretty much been unable to pin down and actually convict. So with the resources that he has at hand, since apparently he was worth billions prior to this incident, uh, he still is worth roughly the same amount of money. He spends a lot uh, during these expeditions. He'll spend a lot of money on uh, tipping people. He'll give like 200 bucks on a $20 meal. And uh, it's always interesting to kind of see the the server's reaction. At one point, he's in a truck stop and the waitress is like, well, what's what's this for? Because initially he tells her, oh, I've got a route that I go from here to here and then back the same way, you know, for a week and then I'm off x amount of days and she said well what's what's the joke i know that your story's fake now and he said well the joke is that i own the trucking company and i just do these routes occasionally just to kind of make sure that i i can can still do it but it's not necessary and yeah it's uh it's an interesting character because all these missions are in different areas he has to assume various identities, and so with his amnesia, it's, I think, easier for him to just slip into a certain name and adapt that. He still has the same main personality. He's really just trying to make sure the truth is made visible. That's kind of the main crusade, and I think it's a good premise because a lot of times there's the argument of, oh, well, this is about justice, but in uh, towards the end of every episode or every little vignette, somewhat changed up dialogue, but it's always the same thing about how justice can mean a lot of different things to different people, and truth is always going to be the same across the board. It doesn't really change. It's, it's factual. It's based on evidence. So justice is more of a gray area when it comes to uh, these, these people that he's, he's hunting down. So... It's so it's like a vigilante story. Yeah, yeah, vigilante. Uh, but one of the things that he prefers to not actually do the the killing himself, just to orchestrate the situation where either the person he's targeting is taken out by equally scummy people, or there's something else that happens that's kind of like technically he did it, but it's not as put on him. Like there was one guy who he left alone in a house with a hungry male uh, full-grown mountain lion, and so he got mauled and eaten to death, which was pretty fitting because this guy was a, uh, a predator. I thought you were going to say Joe Exotic. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> it um, sounds like the combination of the Punisher and Jigsaw. Yeah, in a way. And the interesting thing is, is that it's not that he has anything personal, I guess, is the against these people, really. I, I mean... In his past, obviously, the events that took place motivate his current situation, but since he doesn't really know a whole lot of, or any of that really, it's it, it separates him more. Uh, I think he can be kind of wholly objective about what's going on. I mean, anybody can, in, in, in most of these cases, anybody could say, well, this person clearly needs to have some sort of repercussions because they've been doing, you know, this thing for way too long and, and getting away with it. And I have a list. What's that? I have a list that I could give this guy, I think. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Who doesn't? Everyone has some kind of list. <laughs> at least a list of people to punch in the face. Yeah. You know, at the very least. Yeah. Um, 
trying to think what else to uh, to mention. There's been some crossover between uh, another franchise that a recent series of novels that Dean Koontz wrote that were based around a character called Jane Hawk, and this last story that I was reading, Nameless encounters a a family who the patriarch, the grandfather, runs this meth empire down south, and he has a lot of other businesses that are run by his family, but they're legitimate, uh, and they also help to clean a lot of the money that comes in through the drugs that he sells, uh, and I think he might also deal a little bit in uh, selling arms and, and ammunition, but um, it was interesting to kind of see that crossover, because I think uh, the author used the same sort of logic that these people, while they are evil, it's almost like the way that they conduct themselves helps kind of facilitate capturing these people that are kind of, I think, a step beyond even what uh, these drug peddlers are doing because it's, uh, even they say, well, because I think in in that store they even were using a restaurant that was owned by the family as like a staging ground for getting this guy uh, in a situation where, I forget how he died, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty interesting. It's, it's good. The uh, um, the voice actor, the guy who's narrating, does a, a pretty good job at forgetting his name. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. It did go in a different direction than I was anticipating when I first asked my question of, is it like dead like me? But it still sounds pretty good. Yeah. Like vigilante style, not getting your own hands dirty justice. Orchestrator. Yeah, yeah. Th- there were a few times where he did have to shoot somebody. Well, I mean, we all get in those situations where we just have to shoot somebody. Been there. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, it, it happens. Um, and the nice thing, I thought we would kind of get stuck in a or I thought that there would be kind of a, an irritating cycle of it being just guys that were the, the targets, but there was one story where a woman was the, the main target, which I thought, you know, kind of it changes it up a little bit. Um, her angle was that she was building a bunch of wealth by killing these wealthy men that she was marrying, and then after a short while she would figure out ways to uh, either poison them or, or just cause them to have some kind of medical issue. Uh, it's more difficult to detect than, you know, 20 stab wounds in the back. But the uh, the interesting thing about her character, which I thought was kind of unique, is that her mother was very superstitious, and so that trait sort of inherently was passed down to her through her upbringing, and so they used that against her. And there were a lot of interesting superstitions, which I don't really know if I'd heard of or if the author kind of made up or if they're regional specific. I, I don't know, but it was kind of cool to, to have that be part of the, the whole scenario. I mean, I personally grew up with all of that superstitious stuff. Don't put your shoes on the table. That wasn't just to be clean. It was like there was some superstitious tie to it. Um, don't go out the door you didn't come in. I don't Something about the devil following you. And then on Halloween, you have to walk backwards so that way the demons can't get you. And uh, then you also have the classics of, you know, the ladder and the mirror and the cat and the salt. Yeah. So I don't know if you had some that came to mind, but I'm interested to hear that part of it just for my own weird background. Maybe I am this woman. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was my take roughly on Nameless by Dean Koontz. I believe these are Audible specific, so if you want to 
check them out, listen to them. Season one and two are both up there, and uh, I think combined it's roughly just under 20 hours of uh, audio. So it'll it'll take you a while to get through, but it is it's a good ride. Well done. First uh, show and tell. Rock on, brother. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, with that, I'll I'll turn it over to Kat. So it was really difficult to pick one because this being my first one, I want to like set the mood for the rest of my life, <laughs> as you do. Um, so I picked a Disney movie. Oh, wow. Yay. What a curveball. I was not expecting that. I know. Okay. Um, but to be fair, this Disney movie was also sort of my intro to horror on my own terms. Um, The very first horror movie I ever saw was Poltergeist, so it's not exactly going to be my first horror movie, but it's the most um, age-appropriate, in quotes, Disney's take on horror suspense. Uh, It is rated PG. It's the 1980s film, The Watcher in the Woods. I'm not familiar. See, I don't know what I was thinking that you were going to say, like, Cinderella. Or something at first. The true Disney classic horror film, Cinderella. Cinderella. It is pretty scary. Yeah. No. I mean, I guess, would you get in a pumpkin? No. Not in this life. I wouldn't. Talking mice? No, thank you. But, um... I mean, if we're talking, like, the original story, the original story is pretty, pretty horrific. Yeah. But if we're talking Disney... And, yeah, Disney. So, I don't know if anybody is familiar with this. Familiar, but I've never it watched is, it. I didn't make you watch this. Mm-mm. Surprising, right? Yeah. It is. Okay, so um, it actually had two directors, and it's based on a book called A Watcher in the Woods, which I have not read, but I think that Disney pretty closely followed what the original author had given. However, the original, along with the film, did not get very good reviews. So why Disney picked it up, I don't know. Um, But it follows a family, a mother, father, and two daughters, as they move into a new home and encounter supernatural activity in the surrounding area, in the home, and in the woods. Okay, so the cast is pretty small, and it's just the little family, but most notably is our beloved Betty Davis, who played... (gasps) Aunt Elizabeth. Our fantastic Aunt Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. From burnt offerings. Oh, I know. my good tie-in there. Crazy. And uh, that's awesome. The also well-known Kyle Richards, who was known for playing Lindsay in the original Halloween. She's also in the new Halloween movie that's coming out this year, and for playing herself in the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, the plot simplified is the family moves into an old estate in England. Mrs. Aylwood, played by Davis, lives next door in the cottage and gives off sort of a what's wrong with this woman vibes as she's very early on seeing speaking to the woods along with the accompanying spinning camera movement. The eldest daughter, Jan, immediately starts seeing things in the house and then in the nearby woods. Youngest daughter, Ellie, who's played by Richards, starts seeing things and hearing things and kind of sleepwalking and writing on mirrors and windows. Also kind of a little creepy and menacing. Yeah, puberty's hard. (laughs) After an accident in the woods involving the two girls, their dog, Narek, and Mrs. Aylwood, we find out that... Narek? Yeah. I'm sorry, that name just threw me off. There's a reason for it Oh. that I'm not going to give away. Okay, there's plot devices there. Yeah. We find out that Mrs. Aylwood had a daughter that disappeared inside the chapel in the woods 30 years earlier. And without giving too much away, they try to recreate this disappearance in an effort to contact Karen. And this is where we get three endings. So the first ending 
was the original ending, and it was envisioned but not done in time for the release of the film, so they had to rewrite it and reshoot. The second one was the theatrical ending, which was released in 1980, but was so hated that the film was pulled from theaters 10 days after it was released and reshot again. The official ending was actually released in 1981 and provided a more toned down, less threatening, and clearly explained ending, which in the end turned out to still be a Disney flop, and even in the box office, was disliked by critics, and at home, did the same. Disney Plus does not offer it. They stated they have no plans to offer it anytime soon. So if you'd like to watch it, I think you'd have to watch it on YouTube or purchase it on DVD, sadly. Do you get all three endings with a version if you purchase it, or is it a specific ending that you get? My DVD does offer storyboards, of the original, the original ending, and the reshoot. So you get all, well, sort of all three, because the first ending was never actually completed. But it does have its cult following. In 2017, there was a remake made with Angelica Houston, which I have not seen. She takes up the role as Mrs. Elwood, which replaces Betty Davis. And it was directed by Melissa Joan Hart of Sabrina the Teenage Witch 90s fame. That's pretty cool. Yeah. On a personal note, I'd just like to say that as a child, I recall dressing as Karen, the missing daughter, with a blindfold and in all white, standing on top of my piano bench, waiting to be taken to another dimension. Wow, that sounded horrific for your parents. (laughs) But that checks out. Well, it is me. Yeah. Yeah. And at one point, uh, it was being played, this is going to age me so hard, it was being played on cable, and I realized it was pretty late at night, and I begged my father to record it on the VCR. Once then. And he did. I went to bed, and I begged my father to go back downstairs and stop recording it because it scared me so bad just to know that it was recording downstairs. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's really really cute. Wow. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, it's, it is surprising to hear Disney even try to do anything horror-related. I'm not saying it's good mm. <laughs> by any means. Sure. It just holds a special place in my tiny dead heart <laughs> because I watched it at such a probably too young of an age. Do you think it prompted you to seek out other movies in the same vein or not? Um... You mean in horror in general? Yeah, just during that time, do you remember thinking, oh, I I saw this movie and heard about this one, so I think that they kind of relate and I liked certain aspects sort of thing? Maybe. I think I was doomed from the start because of my parents taking me to see Poltergeist in the theater while I was in diapers. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I think that was the first mistake. But from what I can remember... Other childhood horror films like this were pretty few and far between. If anybody knows what the Canterville Ghost is, I was a lot, a lot more interested in that one. Don't know that one. And there was some like Boogeyman movie that's also really terrible that I think Disney had a hand in. But when I was a kid, there were no goosebumps, books or movies or show. And the closest thing I got was Are You Afraid of the Dark? But that didn't happen for me until I was in fifth grade. Everybody's going to guess my age now. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Let me get my calculator. Wait a second. (laughs) If they feel like doing math right now, yeah, I guess they could figure it out. Gotta crunch the numbers. I'm your weird, spooky elder. (laughs) 
So maybe it could have had some part in my adult life going more towards the suspense, horror, supernatural, weird. So thanks, Disney, for your flop of a movie. Yeah, yeah. very cool. Thank you. You know, I I got scared watching Dumbo, I guess, when I was a kid. Because of the, uh, my, my mom always said I was really afraid of, like, the pink elephant scene. Oh, well, yeah, that's understandable. I don't even remember the scene at all now, but I guess, like... It's upsetting. You should rewatch it. It might bring up a lot of memories. There's your Patreon. Right, just a, a minute <laughs> clip of Chris screaming. Watch Chris freak out while he watches Dumbo Pink into- Elephant March. People will definitely give us five bucks for that. New ringtone. New ringtone. If you pay, I'll do it, you know? Uh, I'm here, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, you know, some people get scared at Dumbo, some people... uh Get scared at the opening credits of The Watcher in the Woods. Even the opening freaks me out to this day sometimes i skip it when i watch it which the opening was reshot also was the whole movie just reshot like the middle bits were there oh well you can't say they didn't try there's like dirt bike race that made it in that could have been maybe reduced oh that's fun everybody's dressed real 70s feathered hair not great acting sorry jean shorts no i want to say there were flares maybe that was more of like a 90s thing jorts 80s. I'm just thinking of a uh, sleepaway camp. Flared pants on sleepaway a dirt bike. That's camp. dangerous. Also a good one. Ooh, that's a good one. Should have done. Maybe my next one will be sleepaway camp. Could be. That's all I got. The end. I think. Oh, right on. Awesome. Well done. Thanks. Unless we reshoot it. Oh. Maybe, maybe not. See you next time. Now I want to watch it. Yeah, it's uh, really bad and really good at the same time. <laughs> It's an interesting story, and uh, I don't know, just creepiness. There's, I didn't talk about it very much because I didn't want to give anything away, but it involves a ceremony, an eclipse, uh, other dimensions. Depending on your ending, it involves an alien. Wow, they're really building a whole world here, huh? Mm, very uh, off, uh, off of what Disney usually does. I mean, that's not at all as grounded, I guess, to put put it in a way. Yeah. Could be why it was a flop. Yeah, it could be. Pulled in 10 days. Yeah. They really don't do sci-fi uh-uh. at all. Mm-hmm. Especially live action. Oh, well, thank you for sharing, Kat. Oh, you're so welcome. I don't remember who goes next. So whoever you are, feel free. Yo. Is it Chris? 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 So about frogs. I was thinking about it, but um, I don't think I want to start off on a note of things I don't like, and you know, really set a tone for myself as well. Now the world knows. Well, I think we talked about that in the first episode with over the garden wall. You did. That 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 was pretty directly addressed right off the bat to clear the air um but i too like cat was struggling with uh what i wanted to talk about um because everything i was thinking about talking about can end up coming back to um anime so i guess i'm talking about an anime today and it is vinland saga on amazon prime um so it's two things i really like anime and vikings so it's a one season, not dubbed, only sub, um, which is not in English, only in Japanese. So Japanese-speaking Vikings? Well, just like the show 
is in Japanese. Like, okay, the voice actors are Japanese, but the characters speak Danish and whatever, like, they would at that time speak, you know. Um, but for watching sake, they don't have the actual translation of it. So the basic plot of the show is this character, Thorfinn, wants to be, like, his legendary Viking warrior dad, whose name is Thor's. There's a lot of Thor's names in this show, but this character Thorfinn sneaks on a boat with the dad who's a retired Viking, trying to live peacefully, you know, away from all the fighting and stuff. He just has a big life-changing moment one day and doesn't want to do it anymore. So to appease a local lord, he agrees to meet with them, and him and some other guys go to meet this lord, and the son sneaks on the boat, and... Turns out that somebody hired a hit on the dad, and the dad gets killed. And that basically starts the whole show. Um, Thorfinn wants revenge on this character that killed his dad. And he stays with him in this troop of other Vikings. And we follow all their other stories and the character Thorfinn. So you and Walker both picked revenge. Yes, the whole thing is about revenge. What's going on, guys? Um, gentlemen, are we okay? What's happening? I'm, I'm personally. I mean, good. I'm okay because I'm I'm alone here, far away from everyone on the planet. So I think I'm okay. I'm inches from Walker. <laughs> uh, I'm personally good. I can't attest for Walker, but um, okay. I've I've got no angst about this. Um, just a <laughs> just a fun story. Walker did make me watch uh, Transformers, which could be an act of violence. Yes, oh, I would probably on. agree. Yes. <laughs> Wait, which wow. one? The first one. Yeah, I said you. you, you oh, that was okay. F- yeah, no, I said it you was can good. Watch the I first just... one. If you don't like it, then we don't have to watch any others. But I think the first three are at least watchable. So it was first. Good. It wasn't three? as bad as I thought it would be. How many yeah. are there? There's like six. There's f- five. Get out of here. The third one is that the one with? I gotta go lay down. <laughs> Is that is that the moon one? <laughs> Three is dark side of the moon. Yes. Is that the one with Grim Grimlock? Uh, I think so. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, then that's the one I didn't see, which is weird because that's the one that has dinosaurs, and that's maybe something I should have talked about instead because I like <laughs> dinosaurs. 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 Um. Next time, Chris. Next time. Dinosaurs. Dinosaur DNA. Um. Sorry. Sorry to dis. Uh. But no, I mean, Transformers is pretty solid. Revenge is a good plot device or an approximation of revenge. It it helps get you involved with the main character. It helps, I I think, most people can relate to that. I mean, obviously, most of us aren't out doing vengeance on our day-to-day lives, but... Speak for yourself. Okay, I I, I guess I'm right. I live for vengeance, so I lied, actually. So now this is getting twisted, where they are having, like, oh, it'd be nice to fantasize about revenge. Kat is alarmed by watching that, but she is actively getting vengeance every day. <laughs> yes, I'm not alarmed to watch it, it's just... No, I'm not I'm not saying that it's it's something that you want, but I'm just saying it helps you get empathize with the character, it helps you connect to the media. Yeah. Whether it be a book or a TV series. It's a relatable moment. I mean... I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I'm concerned okay. about the two of you fantasizing about revenge instead of just doing it. <laughs> now I'm scared of all three of you. Oh, man. Chris is the odd one out, huh? <laughs> I don't condone any of the actions that I'm describing. 
This is where you right. do the clips and then you make right. me say things I didn't actually say. I should have prefaced it. I am not an expert in anything. I'm not even an expert in my own life. Okay, so you can't take anything I say seriously ever. I don't think any of us are really an expert in anything either. I thought you were going to say, I don't think any of us take you seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about revenge. That's going to... Yeah. <laughs> that could have been an inside talk race. Uh, it's what I thought Chris was that's... saying. It's not what I feel. <laughs> Why would we have inside thoughts? <laughs> yeah, what's the point? Uh, it doesn't it, sound very cool. comfortable. Not very fun either. Um, but if I could go back to talking about anime, please, I would love to do that. No, uh, it's no. it's gone <laughs> now. It's over. We changed the channel. <laughs> All right. We're no longer talking about revenge. All right, my 10 minutes are up in two minutes, so cool. Thanks, everybody. No, okay. no, no. No, keep... Um, no, you, no. Take, take your full time. No, yeah. Um, Sorry, Chris. No, 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 no. I'm just joking. Um, we just had to do, like, a mental health check-in, and now we'll go. <laughs> the boys are vengeful. Right. Check. Uh, revenge is cool. Everyone should get revenge. Revenge now. Done. Revenge, Doing revenge, it. Revenge, revenge. Got it. Um, right. So, yeah, that's actually, like, a big point of the show is that this character who was like a really sweet kid before wants nothing but revenge and is super jaded and angry at this guy that killed his dad so he's following this troop that were responsible that for killing his dad to get revenge on the leader um and he constantly challenges him to fights to kill him but he always loses because he gets too mad or whatever have you it's interesting as far as anime goes, because it's not very tropey, if you know what I mean. It doesn't do, like, the faces or the screaming or, like... It, it's very grounded in that it takes actual historical characters and puts them in the setting. And sure, it, like, characterizes them a little bit. And they definitely dramatize some things. But it's basically just the story of this kid trying to get revenge and... He, it, it's interesting that as the story progresses, you follow him a little bit less and you follow the leader of the troop whose name is Escalad and finding out his backstory and we, we get connected to a lot of these characters, finding out who they are and why they're doing what they're doing. And it's basically like if Game of Thrones was an anime when it was good, um, Everybody has now turned off the podcast. Yep, everyone. Thank you for listening. This is the end. Um, but no, I, I, all I mean is that it's very character-driven, and it's not afraid to kill off characters, too. So it's a good anime to start with if you're interested in getting into it and aren't a big fan of all the tropey, over-the-top stuff. So I, I have two questions for you, Chris, and you can answer in whichever order, but I'm wondering if... Pillaging plays a big role in the overall momentum of the episodes, or is that sort of a separate thing and we get a lot of character moments? Yeah, they do that a lot. Um, that's basically like the first half of this first season is you're following Thorfinn as he travels with this group, acting as mercenaries and like attacking different bases and getting loot and like dastardly deeds they're really not the good guys or there really isn't any good or bad guys to be honest aside from maybe like one or two characters but basically everyone are people and they're just trying to like you know do what they got to do and like stick to their morals and such got it okay so a lot like assassin's creed valhalla in that respect 
Uh, and the second question I had, uh, what other anime would you compare the art style to? Because I feel like there are a lot of variation in depending on what you're watching and what studio puts it out. So I'm, I'm just curious how you would describe that. Mm. It's, uh, it's not hyper-stylized. It's pretty... Um, I don't want to say generic because that's kind of... It's kind of a dig. But it's very... They don't have like the big eyes. It's kind of like... Dr. Stone, I guess. I don't know if you guys have heard of that one, but that's another anime. Um, and maybe a slightly more stylized Cowboy Bebop, which is another really good one. But that's what's good about the show. There aren't a lot of things that take you out of it. It's really just you can watch it without being like, oh, this is weird, or I'm not into that, or, you know, what have you. So uh, I don't know what else I really had to talk about. Um, it's 24 episodes. It's an ongoing manga, so it's probably going to get more seasons. And uh, yeah, the animation's really good. The story's really good. Yeah, it's a, it's just a good show. So that was uh, my pick. Okay. It does sound cool. I I like giving you shit about liking anime, but it does sound cool. I, I, I it's got to happen, you know. There can't be a guy that watches anime without um, you know, hearing about it. So uh, so that's all I had to say about Vinland Saga. Um, I think Grace is up next. What do you got for us, Grace? So my show and tell is about the album Oh My Heart by Mother Mother. So this album is from 2008, actually. It is Mother Mother's second album. So the first time I heard it was like five years ago. We were all, well, Chris Walker and I were driving to the Renaissance Fair, as you do. And our friend um, Brandon was playing the song Hayloft, which is one of the more popular songs from this album and it was such a bizarre song i don't know how to describe it without just having you listen to it but i was very intrigued so i saved the song on my phone and was like oh i gotta see what all this is about because it's kind of a mix of like alt rock and pop and like maybe some like techno they're kind of similar to the white stripes so i was i was really into it and ended up like listening to the whole album and really enjoying it even though none of the other songs really are similar to hayloft aside from hearing it in brandon's car i had never really heard anyone else talking about the band or the album so sometimes when no one else is talking about a band or an album i kind of just assume it's like my secret thing um, that was up until I got TikTok during this pandemic and found out that the band has gone semi-viral because a lot of people have been playing Hayloft and I think they said Wrecking Ball. By Miley Cyrus? Oh my goodness. She needed the help. That's awesome. Love Miley Cyrus. Not not that one. Um, but anyway, they're, they've been playing a lot of these songs on TikTok and I was very confused as why because I was like, Man, people always joke about the algorithm, like, really knowing you. How do they know about this one album that I have that I'm interested in and haven't talked to anyone about? And then I was watching another TikTok and a woman and maybe her son, she was, like, quizzing him on certain things. And one of the things was, like, and who loves Mother Mother music? And then he just says, NBs, which is non-binary people. Oh. And I was like, I almost fell out of my chair. I'm like, what, <laughs> what the hell? How do they know that I think that this song reminds me of gender dysphoria and all this stuff? Like, that's so bizarre. I don't even have the TikTok saved because I think right when I saw that, I just like closed the app. I'm like, I, I can't do this right now. Um, <laughs> Too shook. I, it truly, truly shook, but it is true. So I guess part of the reason this album in particular got famous is 
Um, most of the lyrics can be kind of traced back to, I guess, like the quote-unquote non-binary experience, despite none of the members of the band being non-binary to my knowledge. But it was a really weird, like, melding of things because long before I was out and when I was still trying to, you know, figure everything out and just, you know, that whole, like, journey chaos nightmare. I did find a lot of comfort in the songs on this album. Um, They say like fish out of water and have fish imagery on the album cover and in their music videos, as well as being kind of like a ghost, like floating around in your life, not really understanding who you are or what you're supposed to be doing. It was kind of like how people, like I'm not spiritual at all, but like how people say like someone's a new soul or an old soul. It's very like new soul music. Mm. I'm out. Like, you're figuring all this stuff out. You're kind of confused. You kind of don't know what everyone else is doing around you. It seems, like, all made up and stressful. And there's a lot of angst within the songs, but um, it was kind of comforting to hear it because it was right after college. So I was, you know, feeling all those adult feelings of, oh, I'm the only one in charge of my life right now. That's great and terrifying. It's a big adjustment. So there actually was um, an article that I'll link in our description that was called TikTok is giving a niche indie band's 2008 music millions of new streams. Hmm. And it's by Samantha Hisong. And there was a good quote from the lead singer, Ryan Gouldman. He said um, about how it became popular with uh, the non-binary community. He said, It's such a high honor and huge compliment whenever it's suggested that our music might serve as an adequate soundtrack to a courageous journey of self-discovery that often rubs against societal norms. We are huge cheerleaders for the outcasts and the other. And it says, although no one in the band identifies as non-binary, Gouldman says that the band relates to not feeling comfortable in your own skin and going on a unique journey to find your own individual truth. He goes on to say that the band really didn't have a strong like specific genre that they were going for and because of that the album got good reviews but it wasn't very popular and he kind of made a parallel to that of gender non-conforming people where he was saying there wasn't really a good amount of language to talk about that sort of experience until now and then his music is becoming popular along the same trend I suppose which might be kind of uh, you know, self-centered thing to say, but also it's kind of interesting that, you know, there's just more language for things in both music and identity. So very weird coincidence that a band I didn't think anyone knew about, but it turns out the community that I belong to loves it as well. That's super great. Are they still together? Is the band still making new music? Yes. Okay, cool. Thank you for reminding me because they just came out with a new album like literally days ago. Oh, oh wow. wow. So that article was written in 2020. They said, despite not making music for two years up until this point, they're getting huge amounts of streams for an album that came out in 2008, even though they've made albums since then. Yeah, it's weird how that works, how things... It's crazy what gets popular. Exactly. Like, I really enjoyed it, and I would recommend it occasionally, but the music is so specific that it's like, I don't know who will really vibe with this, but turns out, my people. When when people use clips from or snippets from that song what are they doing in the video usually um it's a lot of different things but some of them are talking about um like queer issues and then others are dances um it's kind of everything it's really a weird mix because it's not just one song even though hayloft is the most popular and it's not just one action that they're doing like it's not 
Because sometimes when a song will go viral on TikTok, it's because everyone's doing a very specific dance to it. But this was just like all of a sudden just like skyrockets into popularity. Mm. With people using it for varied different reasons. Yeah. I think they just found the music really um, like... I mean, if it fits the mood that they're in, it's perfect. And the interesting thing about TikTok and how the short format plays into this game of kind of telephone where you get something different in each iteration. It's not always, even if it's got the same intent, uh, because I think a great example of that is instances where people use audio from other TikToks and then they play that in their video while they're doing something as the audio explains or makes fun of or is a joke to whatever that they're doing. Right. It lines up. Yeah. There's like little skits that they'll do occasionally to the song too because the song is very repetitive and it's talking about two like teenagers hooking up in a hayloft and the girl's father has a gun and she keeps saying that my... She says, my daddy has a gun. And then she's saying, you better run. So it's like a, you know, kind of getting caught in the act sort of song. So little scandalous. Damn kids. (laughs) Yeah. And the new album, I, I don't know if, I don't think you went into detail, but would you say that it still approaches the same subject matter or is it a different direction tonally? I've only listened to it once through, so I can't fully say. It's definitely got the same sort of message. All the songs are written by the lead guy, Ryan. Um, so the themes are similar. Um his voice has actually changed a lot. In the article, they give him a lot of time to kind of speculate on why it could be possible that he was attracting gender non-conforming people. And his voice is significantly higher. Yeah, it's more falsetto. In um, this album specifically, he okay. said, oh, back back in those days, I didn't know how to sing quite right. So I was singing from my, th- my throat. <laughs> and he's also, he has two female backup artists singing as well. Mm. And they'll harmonize a lot. And it's it's interesting because I haven't really heard anything outside of like a chorus doing that. Mm. Um, so I think he was thinking maybe a little too literally where he was like, oh, well, I was singing in a way that wasn't very masculine. And I also had women singing behind me. So maybe it's like both literally and figuratively connecting with people who feel this way internally. Mm. I don't know. A lot to speculate on. Well, yeah, whatever the reason is, a lot of people got comfort out of it. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. what matters. Yeah, yeah. whatever the, the magic sauce. Good thing that they put it to an album and didn't just decide to go a different direction. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, a, it's definitely a unique album, even within their other music. So that could be good or it could be difficult because if this album is really blowing up, they could have a crisis where they're like, well, do we go back to that kind of sound or do we continue to, you know, grow as artists? But yeah, I would definitely recommend listening to this album. Maybe even start by listening to Hayloft, even though it's right in the middle of the album, just to see, because that's the one that's the most popular, to see if you vibe with that and then go down the rest. I have them up on Spotify right now. Hayloft is the number one played, obviously. The second... Burning Pile has half the listens as Hayloft does. And Hayloft is at 177 million. Oh my god. That's more than I thought. Insane. Um, The one that seems the most literal um, in terms of feeling gender dysphoria is called Body. No shit. But, you know, just in case anyone was specifically trying to listen to something like that, I personally really like the song Try to Change and Wisdom, which are back-to-back. Those have the feelings of, you know, starting to deal with 
young adulthood where you're on your own and kind of wish that you listened to your elders, but you didn't. And now you just got to <laughs> like figure it out on your own. Are there any that you personally skip? The last two I would say are the weakest in my opinion, but I think they're trying to like close down the album. So it's a little bit less poppy, but the first large chunk of the album I listen to regularly and it's been, you know, five years since I was introduced to it. So right on. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's super cool. Um, I, slight anecdote about like TikTok having like this weird like algorithm about like reading your mind or whatever. One day I thought Cat was mad at me and I'm scrolling through TikTok and um, this woman reading like tarot <laughs> oh, no. cards pops up and oh, no. it, she starts off saying somebody's upset with you and they have a nose ring and tattoos. And I was like, whoa! <laughs> I freaked out. <laughs> it was like 2 a.m. and oh, I. Oh no. It wasn't just, a, was it just a nose ring? I thought it was like more specific than that. I thought it was like, they have a septum ring and they have dark hair yeah. and they have tattoos. I think tattoos. they said dar- dark hair so too. So it was pretty vague. Uh, and also. Vague, to be honest with you, but. <laughs> <laughs> Every goth girl. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I was like. It was like 2 a.m. and I sent it anyways. I woke up yeah, to it. Monster. I woke up to. I knew you were mad at me. <laughs> I. But yeah, it was funny. Was not and continue to not right. be. But TikTok said so. And if you ever uh, stumble onto non-binary TikTok, it's very supportive and helped me uh, come out. So That's thank awesome. you, everybody, on there. Nice. Glad to hear it. Thank you, mother, mother, for uh, you know bridging this this gap. Even even secretly. It was truly, I cannot explain with words how weird it was to hear that. Right. From a, a small child? Yeah. Well, yes. I was getting roasted <laughs> by a toddler. Um, yeah, the mom was like, no, you said A-B's. It's N-B. How many times? <laughs> <laughs> and they spell it out, too. It's E-N-B-Y. Ah. Don't know why. Huh. Well, actually, I do kind of know why, because I guess on Twitter, a shorthand for not black, like a not black person would be NB. So I think that they were ah, like trying to make to sure that they weren't saying the same thing. Mm. Mm, gotcha. Well, super cool. I have to give them a listen. Thank you, Teenage Dancing App. This Teenage Dancing App has made me lose my mind. It's changing lives. Changing lives for everybody. I see a lot of frogs and I resent that about it, but... I am unhappy by your statement. I had a feeling you would be. I wish I was seeing more frogs. They don't know that about me. They were just like, you're queer and have ADHD. And I said, I know, stop. (laughs) You need to tell them to send you frogs to help you level out. Yeah, I know. They went right for like the jugular. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe this is a turning point then. Maybe, Maybe TikTok is listening right now and... uh. And is sending Chris more frogs. Don't do that, please. Send them to literally anyone else in this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right, on. Thank you for sharing, Grace. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining us, Kat. Of course. Yes. It is lovely to have you. Not a host. Non host Kat. Most host to host ever hosting a host. Chris drew your face onto the cover of this episode. You can't not be a host. I mean, you're you're too too much ingrained into what this show is. All right. Okay. Thank you for hosting, Kat. Oh, my God. Great. (laughs) So you made it to the end of our first 
edgy show and tell episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. We will be sticking to this format for the duration of this show. Hopefully we release roughly every other week now since we'll be doing main episodes the first part of the month and edgy show and tell will kind of fall in between main episodes and we appreciate cat coming on and joining us being a part of this and with that i will turn it over to grace to give a rundown of our socials you can follow us on instagram and twitter where i overshare at our warped pod and uh you can follow me on my instagram chris ambrose 80 if you like to look at art and art related things do you feel like promoting anything cat um i have an instagram account it is hauntingly tired it's all one word i don't post anything but uh you're welcome to message me about your thoughts and feelings about watcher in the woods oh wow that's uh opening opening the discussion up how have we done all these episodes and uh and i've never said that well what the frick? So I don't want messages. <laughs> don't talk to me. Interaction? Ah, get out of here. <laughs> don't talk to me. <laughs> and you can follow me down the road to vengeance. Because you may not be the bat-shaped entity that the city wants, but you will always be the bat-shaped entity that the city needs. Bye! Bye. I mean, I didn't even get to my one true pick, Shrek, the children's picture book <laughs> that I have, I've been reading as everyone has been talking and not paying attention to anything that anyone has been saying. <gasps> oh, the truth comes out. Do you, you want me to tell you about the Vinland saga again?